The Nerdalogs is a Chicago-based sketch group that writes comedy based on shared true, personal stories about our existence as lifelong nerds. We started your stories to give everyone a chance to do what we do, share their own stories, and foster a more heartfelt, welcoming nerd community. Your Stories is about embracing the weird and obscure in your life and asserting your geekdom with a group that gets your references. And, most importantly, Your Stories is a place to bring people up, not to put anyone down. Try to keep your stories around five minutes, laugh at jokes, cry if appropriate, and applaud everyone who has the guts to sit here, tell a story, and come out as a nerd. Hey folks, my name is Eric Arno, and welcome to part two of the August episode of the Nerdalogs Present Your Stories Podcast. The theme this month is the end of the world, whatever that means to you. Uh, this time we've got writer and independent filmmaker Sean Boyle on finding significance in this mess we call life. Sorry to be so maudlin. Uh, plus Nerdalogs members Bill Kenkel with the tale of substance-induced world-ending terror, and Chris Geiger on the end of a particular type of world, the MMORPG. Also, in addition to music from myself and Dwight Hassler, as usual, this episode features a bunch of special musical guests, including the Nerdalog's own Claire Friedman, one Rebecca M., and the Shrieking Eels. Uh, I guess a lot of folks were inspired to sing this month, which is good, because there are lots of great end-of-the-world songs, as you will hear today. So, if you like what you hear on your stories and want to take part in the next episode, well, what the hell's stopping you, man? Uh, we're recording the next one this Sunday, August 19th, at the Upstairs Gallery in Chicago, 5219 North Clark Street. The show starts at 7, and it's free and BYOB as usual. The theme this month was chosen by Mr. Bill Kenkel, as sadly he will be leaving us to move to Boston in a few weeks. Uh, his choice for the episode was Propose a Theory. Why? Because Bill's a scientist, that's why. And now he wants to hear your science, or whatever else you think of when you hear the words Propose a Theory. So, if you're in Chicago this Sunday, we'd love to have you come share a story, or share a theory, or whatever you've got. Also, I need to give a plug to a special Nerdalogs project out there right now. Uh, last week, Sean Boyle, who you'll hear in this episode, filmed Kevin Reeder, Bill Kenkel, Chris Geiger, and myself for a minute-long Dungeons & Dragons promotional video that we submitted to Wizards of the Coast for a contest. Uh, if you heard the D&D slam poetry we did back in the St. Louis Comic-Con episode, it's kind of based on that, but it's like visual, so you can see it. Uh, we entered the video in a contest, like I said, and we actually do have a real shot at winning. And guys, the prizes are amazing. We're talking like lots and lots of cash. Like lots of cash. So, if you would please do us a solid, go to the Nerdalogs Facebook page or get to it through nerdalogs.com for info on how to vote for our video, and then vote for our video. We will be really, really happy if we win, and in theory, you'll be happy if we win because you love us, right? And again, we really seriously do have a realistic shot at it, so don't think that you'd be wasting your time by helping us, which is never the case, obviously. But yeah, help us. One last thing, podcast listens have been crazy high lately, especially through iTunes subscriptions and stuff, so thank you guys so much for that. Uh, if you have any show feedback, please feel free to email it to us at nerdalogs at gmail.com. That's N-E... Well, you know how to spell nerdalogs. It's in the title of the podcast. Or post your feedback as a comment on our podcast homepage at yourstories.podbean.com. While you're on the homepage, you can also kick us a few bucks via PayPal to help cover things like web hosting uh, if you are so inclined. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed as much as we enjoy making it. And on with the show! The 
end of the world, which is kind of a hard thing to personally relate to, because uh, most of us haven't experienced it, but I think that there are circumstances which feel so like powerful and terrifying that they seem like the end of the world, and most of the time this happens like when you're real small or like real uh, hormonal, um, but they also happen to rational adults when those adults are on a lot of drugs. <laughs> so, uh, 
in the town where I lived, there were the, the university had these gardens called the plantations, and they were like lovely and um, just these like big sprawling. Rolling hills and gardens. There was like a gong. Uh, there was like pagodas and duck ponds. It was just like this like wonderful place. And my buddy's dad ran it. And we decided that it would make the perfect venue for our first foray into doing mushrooms. I really uh, hope my mom does not know how podcasts work. <laughs> <laughs> so it was this like lovely summer day. Um, and we took these mushrooms like in peanut butter because they taste terrible. In case you didn't know. <laughs> and, you know, it slowly starts to kick in. It's just like, oh, like the weather's really nice today. Oh, the, the trees are made of crystals. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. There are patterns everywhere, and I am part of that. That's great. And, like, I was there with, like, all of my best friends, and there was a beautiful girl, and, like, it was just summer, like... If anybody watches uh, True Blood, when she goes to the fairy world, it was that. <laughs> there was just light and like joy and nature everywhere, and it was perfect. Um, I had a realization of myself as an ape, uh, which was great. <laughs> um, you guys will never understand. Uh, and it was magical. Like we, uh, some of us forgot how to talk. Benson ate a lot of grass, like, like actual like grass, grass. <laughs> we found that gong and went crazy on it. <laughs> it was so lovely and so perfect and magical. And then um, the sun started to go down and it got a little colder. But I was like, ah, I planned ahead. I brought pajamas in my car. So now I was on mushrooms and in pajamas and I was just so happy. <laughs> so soft and I had this like ape thing going on. Um, but apparently the plantations close at dark. So we're in this pagoda just chilling out um, and a cop car drives slowly past like maybe a hundred yards away like broadcasting like the plantations are closed. Uh, we see your cars here. Please go home. And this happens, and we all assume that it's a hallucination, and we don't need to worry about it. <laughs> so we keep chilling in this pagoda, and we're all having a really good time. The sun's going down, it's getting darker. Um, and the cops drive by again, and they say, no, really, you guys need to go. So we're like, all right, well, uh, we split up, and we had, two, we had taken two cars there. And this was back in, like, maybe the turn of the century. So not everyone had a cell phone. And the way we divvied it up is that Everyone with a cell phone went in my car. <laughs> uh, so we find the car, and uh, my, my other friends had like parked at the top of this hill, and we were at the bottom of this hill. Somewhere in the plantations, this cop is still driving around. So uh, I start going up the hill, and this cop car swoops down, and it's got my buddy behind it, and they cut us off. And the cop rolls down the window and goes, hey, you guys, are you with these guys? And my buddy, Benson, myself, and Doug all have perfect answers. Uh, Benson says, no. Doug says, yeah. And I say, what guys? <laughs> I thought I would be clever, you know? I was like, oh, if we don't know those guys, easy. So they say, okay, follow us to the entrance of the park, and uh, we'll see you on your way out. And we're like, okay, great. This is really good. Maybe we can still get out of this. But I was like, I'm on this hill, and I'm in a standard, 
and there's a cop there right in front of me. And I'm like, I know I can't K-turn on a hill in front of a cop on mushrooms without stalling. So I let the cop like go a little ways down the hill. And I turn around, sure enough, I stall, which now adds even more to the delay. So I turn around, and I'm going down this hill, and uh, we get to the gate, which we came in, and it's closed. It's barred. They have this, like, drawbridge thing in front of it. And there's no cop, and there's no my friend's other car. We're like, well, what the hell just happened? So we drive back, and we, we circle around. We can't figure out <laughs> what's going on, maybe because we're on drugs. <laughs> and we just keep coming up against this gate, and this barred gate. We can't find our friends. We can't find the cops. And we just were circling, like, these waves of panic are, like, coming across, like, the three of us in this car. And, like, one person will freak out, and the other two will, like, calm down. And then I'll freak out, and then these two will calm me down. Like, why can't we find our way out? We've been asked to leave twice. We should have already left. We were asked to leave twice. We were asked to leave directly, and our only excuse is that we're on too many drugs to find our way out. So... We keep coming across this gate. My friend, is, we're all freaking out on drugs. And my friend is telling me, dude, just off-road it. Just drive through this field into that highway and we'll be scot-free. I'm like, that's a terrible, terrible idea for so many reasons in this tiny Mazda protege. <laughs> so we just, we're circling around. There is another way out, but we couldn't find it in the dark. Or we're just dumb. We circle around, we find the gate, like, for the seventh time, and I just ha- I've had it. I've had it. I turn the car off, I don't take the keys out of the ignition, nor do I roll up the windows, I just get out and decide to walk a couple miles home. So we abandon... <laughs> what, what, it was a tough situation. What would you have done? We abandon the vehicle, my mom's car, <laughs> and we start hoofing it back home, uh, completely unable to contact the other car because they have no cell phones. Now, we tu- it turns out, uh, in this parallel story, that they are confused as fuck as to where we are. <laughs> the cop is hassling them, giving them a real hard time. He ends up arresting one of my buddies, and that guy went on to spend the rest of his trip in jail, which sucks. Um... But they, like, tear through his whole car. They find this little bobbly-headed Scooby-Doo um, thing on the dashboard. And the cop goes, snatches it off and goes, I know what this is for. What is this for? And my friend's like, I, I don't know. It's Scooby-Doo. It's head bobbles. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, try. He said, as the cop is talking to him, he's like, try not to look at how magical the stars are. <laughs> like, I don't know, officer. It's Scooby-Doo. And the policeman rips Scooby-Doo's head off. And he's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> Can I have that bag? <laughs> they get a call in on their radio and be like, We have found a 91 Mazda protege registered to Neely Kankel. It appears to have been abandoned. Keys <laughs> are inside. Uh, so they then let everyone go except for the guy who had yet still an eighth of mushrooms on him and he gets arrested. And, um,. And I then had to go back the next day after a harrowing night of like coming down. And coming down from mushrooms is not fun. Um, I had to go back into the police station the next day and be like, hi, I left my keys in the plantations last night. Did anyone find them? <laughs> and they gave them to me without any like hassle at all. 
And that is part of the way that we invented the dumb white boy god who looks after us and lets us get away with stupid things. <laughs> so it, it felt like the end of the world, but it wasn't. Thank you, person who looks and sounds like Bill Kenkel, but is not Bill's mom. <laughs> uh, up next, our first song of the night, not from me and Dwight. I do not know how to pronounce your last name. I'm sorry, but Rebecca. Come on up. Since this is a cover, I'm not going to use your last name on yes. the page anyway. For, you know. uh, so it's a cover. I didn't write the song. Um, I have a story to go with it, though. Uh, two months ago, the theme was family, and Eric, you said uh, that you you really liked not knowing your birth parents because it gave you the freedom to be whoever you wanted to be. Uh, and that, like, really stuck with me because this is sort of my year to try to, like, fake that kind of freedom. Uh, <laughs> I, I've only, I'll use this song as an example. Um, I, I heard the song a couple months ago and it started and I was like, it was at the annoyance. It was, pl- it, I was just like, this song is so beautiful and so relatable. And then the bridge happened and then there's a twist. And I was like, what the fuck just happened? But I was like, this is amazing. Like, As a writer, I was just like, those writers had balls of steel. And I was like, (laughs) what would their families think? Like, I could never write a song like that because, like, I could never share it with my family. They'd think there was something wrong with me. Or I could never even perform a song like that because I couldn't ever send it to my family because they wouldn't know how to react to it. Uh, But this is the year that I've sort of discovered I have, like, almost nothing in common with my family (laughs) and that I'm just sort of embracing that and going, oh, So I can learn this song because I fucking want to. I don't have to share with my family. It's okay. Uh, So, yeah. So my family would think it's crazy. I actually think it's really funny. And I think the difference can be summed up with uh, a great Tina Fey quote that uh, she said, to make an audience laugh, dress a man up as an old woman and push him down the stairs. To make a comedian laugh, actually push an old woman down the stairs. (laughs) like oh yeah that's that's accurate uh (laughs) so this is a song uh by a duo named evelyn evelyn i can tell you more about the album yeah mick napier described this album as super fucked up if that gives you an idea (laughs) like if he says that it's legit uh but i love this song so enjoy he pulled up at the house at half past seven in your 69 Impala, you shook hands with my father and we stopped off at the drugstore by the drive-in for some Trojans and a six-pack, but still your eyes kept wandering back to her. It's always her. So let's get one thing straightened out here, sir. If you think you're seeing double, let me save you some trouble. This ain't no two-for-one bargain here, mister. Cause I'm much more than just twice shy. I've had enough two timing guys who only want me cause they want my sister. (laughs) My eyes are just as blue as hers. My hair is just as fine. And that tattoo on her lower back's exactly just like mine. But if you look beneath the surface, we're as different as can be. 
Cause there's just one heart that beats for you And that heart belongs to me And not to her No, not to her So let's get one thing straight If I'm your girl If you think you're seeing double Let me save you some trouble They say no two for one bargain here, mister Cause I'm much more than just twice I've had enough Two timing guys who only want me Cause they want my sister <laughs> And if tomorrow you should die My sister would not bat an eye She doesn't even know your name She's going with some other guy As long as she is still around I'll always have a trace of doubt I need to know your love is real But how? We're all dressed up, the flowers sure are pretty Mother pays her last respects I look around, no one suspects That it was me who put the Drano in her coffee <laughs> But now that she is underground I know that you're not hanging around for her No, not for her Now I'll know your love is true for sure If you think you're seeing double, let me save you some trouble. This ain't no two for one bargain here, mister. Cause I'm much more than just twice I've had enough. Two timing guys who only want me cause they want my sister. It pains my heart to think of her. A rotting, stinking, maggot-infested, bloated, and pus oozing corpse beneath the earth. <laughs> you can't imagine just how much I miss her. But now I know you want me, not my sister. <laughs> Thank you, Rebecca. That was great. Also, I'm really glad to hear that that monologue that sadly was lost due to shitty recording uh, did something useful. I was really proud of that story. Um, awesome. Okay, Sean Boyle is up next. Now, Sean, you kind of told an apocalypse story way back when, so what have you got for us this time? Uh, I've For the past um, three months, I have not posted anything to my blog, and um, that kind of ties into this story. I've Finally, happy to announce I finished my first short film. Um, hold your applause! Hold your applause! Uh, it should have been finished about six months ago, and uh, <laughs> I just procrastinate. I just got insecure, and I just—it wasn't perfect, and and it was just—it was hard to deal with. So finally, about three months ago, I just decided no more procrastination. I got to finish this before I do anything else, and. Uh, Big relief to uh, finish that up. Um, so I have that video posted in this um, blog post, LessonsForAvery.com. It's at the bottom of it. And uh, this story um, is called Love is Garbage. Hmm. <coughs> yes, you marry him. <laughs> You're right. Good choice. <laughs> I grew up with a strong disconnection from all things sentimental. To this day, I still roll my eyes at every Facebook post about how much you love your partner 
or how important your dead grandma was to you. In fact, I'm not even afraid to say that my own unborn child is not that special either. I'm sure my child will feel special to me, but in the grand scheme of my own world, um, on my own view on life, he or she is still just a clump of self-aware organic cells. This is the kind of anti-sentimentality that led me to believe I would never want to be a father in the first place. Because when you don't believe in fate, karma, souls, or even true love, you need to believe in something in their place. But from the age of 18 up to about 27, I struggled to find any positive value to live my, to live by, and I overcompensated with obnoxious degrees of cynicism, defeatism, and unabashed social angst. I began to distance myself from most human beings, family and friends included, up until a post-apocalyptic science fiction movie called Wall-E. <laughs> Deconstructed my negative worldview to a puddle of my own tears. <laughs> Wally is a robot that spent hundreds of years all alone on Earth for no other purpose but to follow his programming. During that time, he did the same remedial task every day, collecting the trash and unwanted crap of his creators. And yet, Wally never had a cynical code in his programming. Robot humor. <laughs> Instead, he joyfully turned our trash into his treasure and used it as his own brand of art, entertainment, and even friendships. You can learn everything you need to know about Wally's character in a scene where he can't decide if a spork should be placed with his collection of spoons or forks. He resolves this dilemma by placing the spork directly between the two. You could freeze frame that image of a single spork resting between its two contrasting items that it was created from, and that alone could define the beauty and purpose of the universe, procreation, and our sheer existence. Just be the spork. There is no spoon. <laughs> Not much later in the film, Wally meets another robot. And a single one-word question is presented. Directive? His first answer is to display his trash-collecting skill. But as the film progresses, he quickly changes that directive. And he does so without any external forces or heroic motivational speeches. It's just an unspoken transition, told through nothing more than his actions. This change is symbolically bookended by a commitment. As Wally grabs onto the wing of a spaceship and literally follows his new directive into the depths of our universe. This sequence begins with an image of what he has left behind, and slowly fades to show everything there is ahead of him. The closest I have come to answering the question, what would Wally do, was to be an artist. Art is not about success, talent, or popularity. It's about using your creativity to not feel alone in your world, and share your voice with others. For too long, my insecurities and need for acceptance became my scapegoat to remain spiritually stagnant. I will no longer sit around waiting for approval, living in fear from the judgment of my peers, and succumbing to the venom of doubt, because the only reason we should ever consider ourselves a failure is when we're not true to our directive.
Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, let's then. Uh, Marnie Thompson, right? Yeah. <laughs> Steve, you're not next anymore. All right. I'm Marnie. This is Kevin and Jameson, and we are the Shrieking Eels. Wow. Wow. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Pushing through the market square. So many mothers sighing. News has just come over. We have five years left to cry in. New sky wept and told us Earth was really dying. Cried so much his face was wet. Then I knew he was not lying. I heard telephones, opera house, living the melodies of song boys, toys, electric clouds, and TVs. Margaret in her like a warehouse had no room to spend. Had to cram so many things to store, everything in there. And all the fat, skinny people. And all the tall, short people.
record's ever made. If you guys haven't heard the Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust, it is actually fun trivia for me. I've only ever played two albums start to finish in a live setting, and that is one of them. So now you know something about me that no one will ever ask you to recite, <laughs> except maybe me. Um, um, I oh, it's um, Darkness on the Edge of Town by Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> did you know that? Yeah. Wow, Chris, you know me so well. Speaking of how well Chris knows me, Chris Geiger, everybody. Pounded that. I don't have any awesome skill like that. That was incredible. (laughs) I had a front row seat for it. It was amazing. Uh, So End of the Worlds are awesome. Uh, And I'm sort of a connoisseur of End of the Worlds, but in the massively multiplayer online role-playing game sort of sense. (laughs) Uh... You understand uh, a massively multiplayer, or a Morpurger, if you will, uh, is <laughs> is a video game where a bunch of people get on together. I mean, why am I explaining it to you? Everyone knows what it is. <laughs> World of Warcraft, right? Uh, but there's many of these games, and they some they're on the internet. So at some point, someone has to pull the plug because it costs money to run these things, and sometimes they're not sustainable. And I love it when they end. And I, even if I don't play them, I download the game before it ends, and I play it when it ends <laughs> to see what happens. And they're always amazing. Uh, <laughs> I, my first experience with it was with The Matrix Online, uh, <laughs> which we're all familiar with The Matrix, right? Uh well, they had an online video game <laughs> where you could be one of the machines or you could be one of the, like, people that are, like, awoken in this new world, post-Neo, whatever. Uh, and, like, Morpheus was in it, and it was real cool. Uh, I played a character when it first came out to level 10, and I stopped playing, and I still had an account. So when the game ended, I got on there again to see what happened, and it was crazy! Uh, it, you remember that scene at the end of the mat- the third Matrix where like all the the Agent Smiths like come together and they make the, like the Super Agent Smith, right? You like wait? No, I think that might have been a different video game. Uh, but uh, but they there was Agent Smiths everywhere. So imagine if you will, you're just walking down the street in this fictional video game, and there's just Agent Smiths just staring everywhere, and they can kill you in instantly. They can kill you instantly in one hit, and everyone's going crazy, and everyone's fighting Agent Smith. And this happened for, like, three hours, and everyone was just joined forces in fighting Agent Smith, and then the world ended. <laughs> and the Matrix Online didn't exist anymore. Uh, Anarchy Online, I don't know if you guys have heard of that one. That one was kind of similar, just a lot of crazy higher-level guys. But the one that was the most interesting to me was actually, right before we started working on Skywalking Dead, uh, was the Star, War- Star Wars Galaxies. Uh, and that was, like, their the longest-running... MMORPG ever. Like, it ran for like 12 years, 15 years. And it had the most player agency out of every video game I've ever known. Like, people could build houses, they built communities, they had shops. And so this was a real world ending. You know, people had Jedis and Twi'lek, like, hookers, and like, you know, like, everyone was really invested in this world. And when the world was ending, so they could toot the Old Republic video game, it was a huge deal. And so I, as a, you know, shitty observer, came in and just kind of walked around Tatooine and saw what happened. (laughs) And uh, I found that there were two different sides of it. So, like, there was the big bad guys that came in. But for the most part, there was this one part in Tatooine where Jabba the Hutt had this huge party 
right? For the end of the world next to a Sarlacc pit. <laughs> and there were these pitch tents and everything around there. And if you talk to uh, the uh, his Twilight buddy, he would let you transform into anything you wanted to and as big as you wanted to be. So there was like 60 foot tall Darth Vader's walking around. <laughs> And, and like and like twenty rancors dancing, and then they uh, they for the time because you could you had spaceships too, and you could fly the spaceships in space, but you couldn't fly them in the planets like in the atmosphere. And so like the developers like ah fuck it, let them fly it in the atmosphere. And so like people are flying Death Stars and shit like, like it's like everywhere. And like I was just standing around this Sarlacc pit while laughing hilariously as these three idiots in X wings tried to fuck the Sarlacc pit <laughs> with, with, the, with the front with the tips of their X-wings <laughs> and it was just debauchery debauchery for four hours it was insane I got super stoned it was awesome uh, and I had a great time but on the other side of it this was a huge world for so many people like people had played it for 15 years I mean can you imagine like 15 years ago like where you were at in your life like 15 years ago for me was a long time ago you know like uh, playing that game constantly for these people was a huge deal. And so, like, on the other side of this crazy madness, like, people spinning ships in orbit and, like, shooting each other with lasers and rancors dancing with giant white Wookiees. Like, uh, there was... I saw this video of this girl who had been playing uh, the game for almost the entirety of its time. And uh, she had a really high-level Jedi. And she was just sitting in a field... Uh, with her astromech droid and in silence all the astromech droid chirped and everything and you could see the countdown timer of when the server was going to go off and she sat there by herself and just spent the time with you know her companion you know her her r2d2 you know and uh for her it was a very somber experience and looking at it that way it gave me a really, before we started working on Skywalking Dead, it gave me a very interesting insight into how the end of the world affects people, even if it is just madness. Like, if this world really ended, we would be fucked, right? But we would spend it either in drunken debauchery fucking Scarlet Pits, <laughs> or sitting in fields with the people that we love. And so if you ever get a chance, like, keep an eye out for these games that are closing, because it'll give you a really good idea of, like, how... That stuff is going to go down, and it's it's worthwhile. So, there you go. Thank you, Chris. It's so rare that anything in nerd culture ever ends. It's so interesting that you get to experience yeah. that. Um, now, my joke comment. I'm pretty sure I saw some Twilight Cookers this week in San Diego. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Claire Friedman from the Nerdalogs. Woo! Song. <laughs> when I asked her to do this, she said, "It's this is all I want to do with my life." I think it was your exact quote. Sing this song. You remember Dwight's little part before you start? Yeah. Wait for it. Wait for it.
family. In your head, in your head, they are fighting with their tanks and their bombs and their guns and their guns. present your stories is sponsored by the chicago sketch comedy troupe the nerdalogs and is recorded the third sunday of every month at the upstairs gallery in chicago 6219 north clark street the stories you hear have been prepared and presented by the speakers on a volunteer basis your stories is recorded and co-produced by sean patrick boyle our theme song comes from the band state shirt for more information on the nerdalogs your stories and more go to www.nerdalogs.com